We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we are going to preview the Lakers' play-in game against the Golden State Warriors. What a uh, match made in in Adam Silver's heaven, at the very least, between uh, LeBron and Steph matchup in the inaugural. I guess it's not the inaugural. You had it last year as well, but over the course of a, a more normal NBA season, you get this matchup uh, between LeBron and Steph, a couple of teams with, with champions on them. And we discussed that a bit in the last pod about how confident we feel. Today, we're going to get more into the nitty gritty. And the most obvious advantage for all of my angst and, and worries in the last pod if the Lakers and Warriors were to play 100 times, I think the Lakers would win a lot of those games. This is not the circumstances. Say a number, Pete. Say a number, Pete. How many? <laughs> yeah, see, I caught myself before. I was like, oh, yeah, it's going to get snipped. It's going to get snipped. Fair enough. Don't say a number. We're so much bigger than they are. And when we played them, we played them three times this season. We blew them out twice. And then we blew a blowout-sized lead. And they caught us from behind on Martin Luther King Day, if I remember correctly. And so in that game up in Oakland, or I guess not Oakland anymore, but up in, in the Bay, we had like 14 dunks against them. They really struggle with our size, Darius. And trying to look at this from a Warriors perspective, what can they do? They don't have Wiseman. Ubre is still out, so that knocks off some size on the wing. They're very small relative to our roster. What can they do to kind of to try to neutralize that? And what ways can we really look to exploit that? I mean, neutralizing it is going to be tough, man. They're they're going to have to play fast. They're going to have to sort of speed the Lakers up and try to get the Lakers into quick decision making mode where they will then make mistakes, right? And so like David versus Goliath, right? Like, oh, well, you're big. Well, we're fast, right? I don't know if you guys caught Draymond's colorful Uh post game (laughs) after they clinched the eighth seed against the Grizzlies, but he basically said like, they've been trying that center shit against us for years and it ain't worked yet and to a certain extent he's right it hasn't worked yet now he has not played anthony davis and i don't think these warriors have seen a center trio that's going to be as talented and as versatile as the centers that the lakers can throw 
at them. And it's going to be tricky for them. Mike, you've been confident about this team. I think that you expressed confidence Realistic. In, in the last pod. Well, look, confidence is born out of realism. Right. Like if if there are people who are rationally confident and I didn't say that about you, I, I, I did not throw <laughs> the irrational in front of that. Like so confidence is based in a certain amount of truth. We always talk about like, oh, NBA players are like this guy is arrogant. Well, yeah, guess what? He's one of the top you, you, you know, like one percent of the one percent. Right. Like like these guys are elite. And so, of course, they're going to be confident about how good they are. When you look at the Lakers, I think there's a lot of reasons to be confident in them in general. But I think that specifically about this matchup, you probably have a fair amount of realism-based confidence about why things tilt in the Lakers' favor. And so does does it start with the bigs or does it start with LeBron? Does it start with AD? Like I know where it starts for me, but where does it start for you? Yeah, the the interesting part of the Laker blowouts this year against Golden State is that AD didn't play. Uh, he didn't play in the March game or the February game in which, you know, these games weren't even close. Uh, Trez went completely nuts against the second unit uh, in the 128-97 game. He was 11 for 14 from the field. Um, he was plus 16. He was dunking everything. And, you know, this was this was not uh, let's see a Wiseman, I think, played 28 minutes off the bench and just really struggled. So they've kind of they've taken that out um, of their system. And then the other game, it wasn't it wasn't all Trez, but it was just a it was just a forceful game like LeBron um, kind of led the way. And I think look, so the, the easy answer is LeBron, though, like LeBron is still the guy that is good as Draymond is defensively. And, you know, LeBron is the guy that at that position on the wing can get into the paint and, and take AD aside. Like, of course, AD is another guy that can give Draymond problems um, in other ways, but the Lakers have two guys, right? Like think back to that Cleveland team. Kevin Love wasn't going to give Draymond problems. You know, uh, he, Kyrie, you know, to an extent, like Kyrie can get a shot off against anybody, but he wasn't in a, in a physical forceful way able to sort of punish what Golden State does so well what Draymond rightfully had some of that bravado against Memphis trying to play the big boy game with Valanciunas, who's been really good. And they just, what they did there, they just sagged way off of jaw. And they said, if you hit a bunch of threes, so be it. And that's really how they won that matchup. You can't do that against anybody in the Lakers, even Caruso, you know, Caruso, if, if he were the start, like Caruso is 40% on the season from three and he'll bang some three. He'll, like if you leave him wide open like that, he'll hit some um, shooter. You can't leave shooter. Just completely ignore him because not only not only that, if you leave him in that situation, he can also just get to the rim in a second if you're playing off him and you give him a runway. So I don't see Darius how like I don't have a game plan. If I'm Steve Kerr, I don't know how to deal with the Lakers mix of size and speed. It's not just the size. It's the fact yeah. that the size is fast that the size is quick. The size rotates. And that's to me where the confidence comes in this matchup. And you're almost just like hoping that Steph hits 12 threes. And even, even if that's the case, right, if you're, if Steph's going to take hit 12 threes, he's going to have to take 25 of them. And that means they're not really getting much else generated towards the basket. And if you don't generate stuff towards the basket against the Lakers, you, you don't have a good chance to win. One thing, I'm going to flip it to the other side of the ball on, on why I think they have difficulty defending us, even though Golden State's a pretty good defensive team. They are. Is the way that we leveraged our size against them from watching the tape of those three games was way more off of dribble penetration than it was in the post. Now, a big part of that is because AD didn't play in two of those games, like you said, but we're more physical than they are on our perimeter attacks, which gets us into the paint and collapses a defense. Like the way that you beat a much bigger team is again, that David and Goliath type of of thing where you have to swirl around them and you have to kind of take down the giant with this uh, attack of speed that makes their, their head spin. I think Golden State is more capable, Steph in particular, is more capable of that on the offensive end. Uh, the Steph versus Drummond matchup concerns me a little bit if and it's part of the reason why I think you get Drummond pressing up on the ball because Steph is so good at getting himself open off of the ball that 
and Drummond can be a, a quarter to a half beat slow on that. And so if there are catch hedges or switches or circumstances where Drummond ends up on Steph, that's a concerning moment and we'll need to address that. But on, but yeah, on the offensive side of the ball, it was really striking to me, Darius, about how we used a lot of dribble penetration rather than post play. Because that's a lot of times the first place your mind goes is, oh, we're way bigger than them. Why don't we just post them up? But that's not how it really worked out. It was against beating switches in isolation. And when they had Looney or Wiseman in a drop or just or not in a switch coverage, really, we kicked their butts on, on ball screens as well. So that was that was interesting to me from the tape. That's what the Lakers do. They're going to try to get downhill on you. That's why Schroeder's important. It's why a healthy LeBron is important. I think if you're looking at the Warriors, their sort of path towards holding up defensively is, all right, well, we're going to put Draymond on Anthony Davis. Draymond's one of the best defensive players in the world. We're going to put Andrew Wiggins on LeBron James. And Wiggins have a very good defensive year. And we're going to hope that those guys can hold up. And that's exactly the reason why I don't think we should be posting up a ton in this game. If we've got LeBron or if we've got AD posting up on Draymond, he's going to win some of those. But we've got so many better options, I think. Yeah, I think the Lakers need to go into more screen and roll stuff. I think they need to involve Steph in screen and rolls. I think they need to set screens with Steph's guy. Okay, Steph, you're going to defend KCP, right? Because they're probably not going to put him on Schroeder. And KCP's good chance KCP's guarding him, so there won't be a cross match either. Plus, plus, Darius, Caruso's perfect for this too, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Because when when he checks in, that's who Steph's going to guard as the theoretical, you know, not as big of a threat. And Caruso is great at knowing exactly when to set screens. LeBron knows how to he knows how to do it with LeBron right like that that to me is something you you absolutely hammer well also too can the Lakers target Steph in ways defensively that make him work hard defensively is that for like a take out his legs for the offensive end or what's the what's the goal of targeting him specifically targeting him to make him a little bit more tired because Steph is going to run around a lot. But yes, take away his legs and just make him work. Let's expend as much mental energy and physical energy as much as you can in in a single game. And if it shows up in him going, I don't know, five for 16 or, or six for 16 from three instead of 10, or 11 for 16, which he's more than capable of doing, then you've helped yourself there. Like some of the things that I could imagine the Lakers doing as well is, okay, you're going to switch off ball actions. Well, how easily are you going to give up the switch? Are you going to end up, can can the Lakers end up getting Steph in a matchup with Dennis? And then basically, and then Braun comes in screen Steph. How many screens can you run Steph off of? How many, like, okay, you're going to guard KCP. Well, guess what? We're going to go to our elbow series and you're going to have to run off of a double and then a handoff in order to stay connected to KCP. How much can you target him? How much can you wear him down? How much can you get into his body when, not when you're guarding him because he uses that against you in such good ways. He is such a good offensive player that he cannot be beat up when he's on offense. He's he's too good. You have to beat him up when he is defending. It's a really good point, yeah. The Lakers are equipped to do that. They have physicality in, they have a certain amount of physicality and athleticism in their backcourt. They have a ton of physicality in their frontcourt. And so screen him, get him, run him off of staggers, get him switched onto LeBron into the post, get him so that he has to basically defend cross screen actions. Maybe you're talking about, oh, don't post up AD. Well, how about let's run some cross screen actions where KCP is the guy who's going to screen for Anthony Davis some. And now Steph has to be the one who takes that first bump 
in order to sort of dislodge AD coming across the lane. And then when he takes that first bump, then you run KCP off of another Drummond screen coming up to the top. And now AD is right. And so there's a bunch of X's and O's stuff that you can do in order to try to target him defensively just to get him working a little bit more. Really good points. And, but I, I think that you also, while everything you said about his offense is true, you also have Caruso and Schroeder, I probably should have started with Schroeder and KCP, to absolutely attack him and harass him on that side of the court too. Like it's a, it's a full, and it's one game you got to do it for, right? And if you win that one game, you get until uh, Sunday, most likely, off. And like I, to me, there's got to be a part of, like Steph's obviously one of the smarter players um, that you got going in the league. There's got to be a part of him that if the the Lakers come out right from the jump in that first quarter and just blitz attack him on both sides of the court in Staples, right? Crowds bigger than it has been. Guys are flying around. There's got to be part of him that you say that he's saying, yo, I can get Memphis again or maybe yeah. San Antonio back in or back. I was going to say Oracle, right? Back in San Fran. So there's I think that you got to plant that early seed like this is going to be a long day for you Steph if some of your yeah. guys are going to co- going to come along for the party like okay but I I was just pe- I was just pulling up you know the last month of the Warriors basically Steph's averaging 37 points on 45% from the field 40% from 3 on 17 three point attempts he's, he's making a bad man six okay yes but he's been working he's oh, yeah. got to be tired like oh, yeah. 17 threes a night. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. Their second leading scorer, Wiggins, has actually been playing pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then their third is Jordan Poole, like uh, Eric Pascal, Michael Mulder. Those are their next three score. You know, these are not guys to be feared. They're just not. And, and that, that doesn't mean you don't respect them, but like you're not. You're not going into that. You're giving them full respect, but like you're, this is going to be a defense. I think that Vogel can craft and that LeBron and Dudley and the whole crew can, uh, can, can have an expertise. And, and like, I think the three of us are almost getting excited thinking about all the ways the Lakers can deploy this defense. I don't think the Warriors are sitting in. I don't think Steve Kerr is like psyched um, trying to, trying to figure out how to prep a game plan for the Lakers. That's gotta be, it's gotta be a little bit more ominous. Uh, I guess is my point. And hopefully that doesn't sound cocky. I just think it's a re it's realistic um, to look at the rosters and think golden state belongs where they are at the eight. The Lakers are, probably should be the one seed if yeah. they stayed healthy, you know, at worst the two, like, but I, you know, probably right there. And, and that's like, you know, this is more of a, it should be, it's more of a one eight matchup to me than it is a seven, eight matchup. Mm-hmm. Rhythm be damned. And it's so interesting the the psychological aspect of this is almost like a 3-2 series where both teams are up 3-2 we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Because neither team, regardless of what happens, you can live to fight another day. And I think that that attacking Steph in particular on that front end, I think that's a great point that you make that we're going to make this a very long day for you. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into the different ways of defending yeah. Steph and the nitty gritty of that, because the Lakers, as, as you guys have said, have a lot of weapons to be able to deploy on in that respect. 
Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in instant karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma Money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So the first guy I think of in terms of defending Steph is KCP. KCP is one of the better lock and trail defenders in the NBA. And if, if you're not familiar with what that means, it's it's a technique for defending a shooter that's coming off of an off-ball screen, right? So Steph doesn't have the ball in his hands. He's standing in the corner and they got the ball in Draymond's hands at the top of the key. And they're setting a down screen for Steph and he's running off of it. KCP is really good at staying attached and he's also very fast. And so all of the, and and can change direction quickly defensively. And so a lot of what Steph is great at is losing his defender in those types of situations, either with speed or even more. So he is the most, I would argue that Steph is up there with Kobe and there's no higher compliment that I could give to a player in terms of technical expertise it's in different ways because Kobe was more of a triple threat type of player. But in terms of mastering his craft and technique, Steph's ability to get open, understanding footwork and and the arm fighting, all of the different elements of that, he's as good as there's ever been. And But KCP has some of the attributes to be able to limit that. So I guess we'll start, start there, D, is chasing Steph off of screens – we got KCP in that lock and trail, but you've also got Caruso and Dennis will play a factor, but also our bigs as well. What are what's what's our approach as we go toward that? Well, it's funny, Pete, because you say the first person you think of when defending Steph is KCP, and the first person I think of is Anthony Davis. Yeah, the and bigs then, are important. Yeah, and then I think of Andre Drummond, and then mm-hmm. I think of. Marcus Gasol and Montrez Harrell and because the lock and trail guy has an important job, right? But when you lock and you trail, the second word of that is trail. So you are behind the play. And if it was only your job to stop this one player, you would not be locking and trailing. That's right. Right. You lock you and trail. Yes, you, you need, need help. help. Like, yeah. like the, the, the essence of that defense is that there is help coming. And, the, and this is why Golden State and Steph in particular is so – why he's such a tricky matchup is because he understands what his gravity as a shooter is. And he understands how to leverage – the coverages that he sees against you. He knows that when he's coming off of a screen, that there are catch hedges that he's going to see almost every single time. So your bigs, your bigs especially, have to play up to touch at the level of the ball, right? And so when I say up up to touch, it's that they can touch the screen and they can touch the ball handler. They're not when giving any space to the there's, There is no space. They are they are up to engage. There is a dance. There's a defensive partnership that you have to have with the guy who is locking and trailing. And you need to show 
and be in position in order to challenge if you have to, but be low enough to slide if you have to stay with the ball. And then you have to be able to drop your hips and get back to your own man if that guy is opening up and then closing. You do not guard Steph with one player. You do not guard Steph with two players because there needs to be weak side help then that is funneling. The thing that the Warriors are some of the best in the league at, and it's because of Steph and it's because of his partnership with Draymond Green, is they are the kings of playing four on three on the backside. And one of the things that the Lakers have been excellent at with Vogel and with Anthony Davis and LeBron James is turning your four on threes back into four on fours. This is important because the four on threes are what result for from playing up to touch, as Darius was saying, right? So that means Anthony Davis or Andre Drummond, they're right up on that three-point line because you don't want Steph to step into a jumper while KCP is trailing him. And what happens is Draymond will slip out of that you make that short roll pass to Draymond, and now it's Draymond in a four-on-three where he's one of the all-time greats. He is so good, Mike, at spraying the ball all over the court. And then on top of that, if you then think that I did my job as KCP, Steph did not get the damn ball. I locked and trailed. My guys were there. But guess what? Steph is relocating. You have to pay yeah, attention the whole time. Yeah, he gets to the corner. Yeah. Yeah. If you if your attention drops, he's gone. He's wide open in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, I loved where you started, uh, Darius, here in the in, in like so Pete started with a lock and trail on KCP, and then you brought it around and mentioned the bigs and AD. And that that is what makes the Lakers great on defense. They are complete. They give you both. Right. They they pressure the perimeter into to the fact that Frank Vogel's primary belief remains protect the rim. And they, this is what they did against Portland. They made Dame. They basically refused to let him have a look at a three. They let him get into that middle area and there was always somebody waiting for him. And that somebody was always big and long and quick. And then they did the same thing against James Harden. And they said, Russell Westbrook, go ahead. Do you. And what's what's different about the Warriors now, they don't have Klay Thompson. So when that to me was he was so incredibly he's not underrated because I think he everybody recognized how great he was. But when you have a dead eye six seven wing who who can get a three off in a second and you everyone in the court, everyone in the building thinks it's going in. It just changes the equation of how much you can help on stuff, how much you can get to the rim, how much you can protect it. And, you know, now that guy is is like it's either Kent Bazemore or Jordan Poole. Right. And then or Andrew Wiggins or Wiggins. And, and even though, you know, Wiggins has done that a little better. But then yeah, that, I want to talk Wiggins a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. Let's, we should get into that. But then but, but he's not Clay Thompson. And then Clay's also going to be able to defend your big your best wing on the other end. And so that's but let's just stick to the offensive part of this for a second. And Pete, to kind of throw the question back at you a little bit. Could you speak to the Lakers' backside of the defense and how Drummond plays into that, how Anthony Davis is able to take two things away at once seemingly, right? This is the Davis where he's he's at the rim protecting against Jokic and then he blocks Composo shot like that. That is the ultimate destroyer to me of this uh, of a team that wants that like thinks they can get an advantage um, out there. So. How, how does the rim protection and Vogel's system and AD and whether he's the five or if Drummond's in, how does that all play into this matchup specifically? Yeah, AD is particularly effective at this because he can show high and then get back to Looney on the roll. Because what happens on those off-ball screens is, you know, KCP is going to lock and trail. If you're screening with AD's man, in fact, I would argue that part of Kerr's game plan will very likely to be to get Drummond's man in that screen as often as possible and not have AD do it, do it at all because AD can show high to the point where it dissuades Steph from taking that jumper and buying KCP enough time to get back out in front of Steph. And if Steph makes that pass down to Looney, he can get back down there to, to get a legit, not like a, oh, I ho- hope I block this, but oh, you're probably not going to make this shot. 
And that's what I, when I talk about shutting two things off at once or being in two places at once, that's what I mean is most players cannot show high and recover back at the rim on the same play. And AD can do that. AD at his best dissuades both shots. Yes. He is good enough defensively where Looney doesn't take that shot or Draymond doesn't take that shot. And then suddenly you have to reset And everything that you just did to try to get a shot off is now you have to do it again, except now there's eight seconds left on the shot clock instead of 18 seconds. So that's not really the portion of the play that concerns me with Steph. It's the part that comes after that where, oh, we don't have anything and the ball swings and, you know, you turn your head for a second and then Steph is relocated for three. It's transition defense where we don't match up and we let Steph yeah. walk into a wing three, right? So if we're set and we're, okay, you're locking and trailing, I'm catch edging and we know our roles and responsibilities – I think we're in great shape. It's more the periods of the game and the, the moments where things are broken down a little bit that Steph can take advantage. So, Pete, this this is as you as always is a little bit of a level of expectation for me. Like Steph is going to hit five threes. Period. Yeah, of course. Period. Of course. It's right? about limiting it. Yeah. yeah. So he like I, I promise you he will hit unless something super weird happens, which it has at Staples Center before, uh, by the way. But like. He is you. You cannot possibly stay with somebody that is that great at getting a shot off quickly. That knows the angles. That knows how to re- reset. That can rescreen. Like he's going to get KCP backdoor a couple times. The whole point of this Lakers group, though, is that on the weak side are LeBron and AD. Right? It's not random. It's not like your average defender. It's not you know for Memphis tonight. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. or Jonas Valanciunas, like those guys are not equipped to really know how to handle Steph, uh, especially on the weak side. LeBron and ADR, uh, they just are. They are up for it and they're going to be on the court a lot. 100%. We're going to win that battle, Mike. We're going to win that at least relative to other teams. But to me, the difference between Steph hitting four threes and nine threes is the more scattered moments of the game where it's not a five on five against the same defense type of thing. For sure. And and what you said earlier about – in in the last spot too is that turnovers right are are important there uh in mm-hmm. in not in, in kind of setting that setting that stuff up even though golden state's going to cough up the ball a lot too but what i what i want to kind of throw to darius with this part of the stuff equation when you've got like if you've got a team that can at least take away the rim on steph that to me is where he really kills teams is because yes. you, you're so obsessed with him from the three-point line. And I'm just positing. I, I've seen it happen. I know the Lakers are going to be attentive to him at the three-point line. I know it. And where I think they get him, where I think they get Steph kind of in that, oh, damn, like what time is the, that Grizzlies game on Sunday or at the, at San Antonio is they get him on the, I can't get to the rim. I can't finish. When, the, when Cleveland beat uh, Golden State, every time Steph turned the corner, LeBron was waiting to go and pack him at the rim. Like that was what, and so the Lakers to me, they can take that away while still pressuring him from three Darius. And that to me is the big key with Steph. Yes. The, the bigger key is always going to be getting Steph inside the arc is can you get him off of the line? One of the things that Steph is so good at is he leverages your want to get him off of the line in order to then still get back there. He back cuts or he drives and he drives for layups. And then after he gets a layup or two, then he drives and kicks and relocates. He does this over and over and over again until as a defense, you're broken. And I think what you're talking about, Mike, is as much as you can, right? You're never going to break Steph, but what you can do is... Get him into positions on the floor where you think you're going to win more times than you lose. But just to quickly try, I'll, let me try to make my point a little bit more in a more concise manner. I'm actually okay with him living beyond the three point line as long as they're all contested and long, as long as you're up on him. What what I want to take away is him getting into the teeth of the paint with his great crafty finishes and like and, and like kicking out, kind of spewing that way. Like I I'm actually I'd actually almost ha- like to have him out there more. Like 
is again as long as they're not open as long as he's not resetting and rescreen all that kind of stuff that that's what i'm trying to say like you you have to take away the rim i think on him and then golden state can't get their period yeah see i think it's trickier than that because i think of the game plan the lakers used against dame which was basically like we're going to funnel you to big players but yeah, this is order- the most similar game plan. Almost certainly will be the most similar game plan of any of the teams we played last year is, is the Portland game plan. But you have to make a cho- like you have to be deliberate. Like you're making a choice. If you tell Steph play beyond the arc, his gravity is too great out there and he will still find ways to get to the paint and be effective. Well, and I he might think- hit, 12 threes also right like and completely warp the game and he still might hit half of his threes whatever number that is my thing is saying all right we know you want to be out there we know that you can also do this other thing game can do that other thing too but if we're prepping to get you to inside the restricted area then we're going to set everything up in order to get you there and then keep you there. There's an incredible amount of discipline that you need to have in order to execute that sort of game plan. The biggest culprits there are the big men. It's why after the Portland series, Vogel's praise was to Anthony Davis and to the big players as much as it was to KCP and Alex Caruso, and Rajon Rondo, and and Danny Green, because while the guards certainly had to do their job at the point of attack, it was the big guys who needed to accept the ball, stay with it on the drive, and then still be able to challenge at the rim. And then the guards needed to then say, okay, well, then now I still have to stay connected. I have to crash down on bigs. I need to disrupt passing lanes, et cetera, et cetera. To that point, I think it's important that we give Drummond direction when it comes to Steph. And that direction in particular is just just chase him off the line. If he blows by you, we've got you behind him. But what he does, and this is true of a lot of bigs, is he can close out short to guys and fear of getting beaten off of the dribble and i could see steph carving up that matchup from beyond the three-point arc and getting some of his preferred type of threes against drummond in particular and so to me i want drummond pressed up on steph and if he gets by you we'll, we'll rotate behind you my fear with drummond is that he is a bit handsy at the point of attack and mm-hmm. and he is so low in his stance that i worry about his ability to sort of like get up to the point where he is actually pushing Steph off of the line, right? Because getting that low in the stance is so great when you are trying to basically dissuade the drive and take away the pass. That's what I'm saying. I don't want him in that low stance. I want him pressed up and that's in more of a stance. Like you're going to get beat off the dribble. Fine. What I don't want is Steph hitting you with one little shoulder fake or one little jab step and a sidestep. And now he's by himself for a three. Because that's what will happen if if Drummond's playing him for the drive. That's exactly what's going to happen. And I think that with the whole Drummond situation, this gets to what I wanted a point I wanted to bring up. What is Frank Vogel's rotation going to be in this kind of a game? Because yeah, so he's going to play to win the game. That's that's what he's going to do. He said that's what he said post game, which means like everything's on the table. So in a typical matchup against Golden State, it would be Trez over Gasol. Based on mm-hmm. what we've seen, because they're small, they're small off the bench. Mm-hmm. That's that's the one where he wants Trez to attack. I don't know if it's a good Gasol does not want to be up, you know, worrying about Steph. On th- like, I don't think this is really a Gasol game um, as much. It doesn't mean that he can't come in and play some, and he couldn't help you in certain spots. But like to me, this is ultimately an Anthony Davis at the five game. Like this is a game where AD LeBron and then. You, Pick your other three. It's Kuz, it's Caruso, it's KCP, it's Schroeder, and maybe even Wes Matthews, right? He's, he's the kind of guy who I would trust in this kind of a matchup. And that's about it. I don't know if you need THT too much. You know, uh, I, I don't know. I know I know that you don't need Macklemore um, in that kind of a setting. And I don't know if you need Keith, although he could. he's a guy that could come in, right, and be fine and that kind of thing since he can shoot. And he you trust his defensive rotations 
when he's locked in. So like that to me is going to be interesting. But I, I guess the way the, what I want to put back to you guys is that if you were just making a game plan, you had two days to do it. Wouldn't part of it be like, okay, Golden State, Looney's at the five, but really it's Draymond. Small. Like, wouldn't you think this is a perfect AD at the five game to capitalize on all your defensive rotations? And and then Pete, that's allowing for, you know, seeing what Drummond looks like and, and maybe Drummond does punish them some, but you just don't want him to get, uh, you know, you don't want Steph to go at him too much. I, I do ultimately think that this is AD at the five. The one caveat to that is the, you know, Draymond versus AD. I think Draymond can neutralize, say, AD in the post to some degree. Um, but by and large, yeah, I do think that, especially defensively, having AD at the five is really the the coverall because then that means that LeBron is probably at the four. You've got a lot more defensive versatility and speed and ability to cover the perimeter, which is what you really need to do against against Steph more than anything. I I do think it's a Mark series though, or a Mark game in that. Mark has been particularly effective at defending on the perimeter this year in traps in that he, when you have trap responsibility, you got two guys on the ball. I loved coaching traps. It was one of my favorite parts of coaching because you can, you can really get guys to believe and you don't need to have a whole lot of talent to be able to do it. If you just know this is the circumstance that I'm in and you don't get sped up. Right. I'm Darius. I'm just thinking like Pete's watching film on some poor freshman point guard, right? He's coming up against them, and he's like, I am going to ruin homie's life. This dude, I, look, I this wish- kid is going to be crying. <laughs> he's not going to want to go to school tomorrow. He's going to have to, his parents are going to have to drag him out of bed at like 10 a.m. because he got trapped like Kobe uh, was was the, the Mamba mentality itself was was <laughs> coming directly out of Pete's two best athletes and they wanted to destroy see there's some truth to that i'm not gonna lie there wasn't as much tape as i would have liked but that was ultimately the goal yes um but here's the thing i i didn't really have great athletes by and large the but and that goes to Mark, right? Like, obviously, Mark's an, an NBA player, but relative to other perimeter defenders, he's not fast. He's not particularly agile. So why can be, Mark be a good perimeter defender against Steph, of all people, is that when you're trapping, it's about, like, don't get beat that way. One of the ways I would teach trapping, for example, is I would go out there and do it as a relatively short guy. It wasn't as, nearly as athletic as my as my players. And show you, like, hey, I can not let you who's much more athletic than I am beat me this way. Uh, like you can beat me the other direction, but that's the other guy's responsibility. Right. And so Mark is really good at that. Mark is disciplined defensively. Mark does his job. If you say, Mark, do not get bait beat along the sideline on this. If you funnel him back toward the middle, your guards got you. That's the point of this trap. Mark will not get beat toward the sideline. If that is what the defensive, he will do it right every time. And then in that scramble of, okay, they've Steph has passed it out of this trap, and now we're into that four-on-three. How do we make it a four-on-four again, and then a five-on-five again, like Darius was saying earlier? You've got to make your correct rotations. You've got to go to the right guy. This is this is Trez's biggest weakness in the non-interior like interior defense parts of, of the defensive end, is that a lot of times he'll be like, Oh, wing. Oh, crap. No, it's supposed to be the corner. And then that one step in the NBA is the difference between being open and not. And so Mark making that correct rotation back to who he needs to go to every time is super valuable. And that's why I, despite Trez's, and, and I do think that Trez, I think Trez's minutes are alongside AD. I think that's the place to, I think we need to have a defensive presence on the interior because Wiggins is a guy that that worries me a little bit in that we've had some issues against wings that have the ability to go over the top of us. He's really good at crashing weak side boards. He played his ass off in that Memphis game. He was playing really hard, got some offensive boards, getting hustle plays. He's the type of athlete that can hang with us. This is what I've always said about this version of the Lakers is that you got to be able to go through us. You got to be able to go toe to toe with us athletically and, and dunk on us every once in a while. Those are the types of guys that can have success against us. And Wiggins is one of those players. So, Sorry, D, I took that in a bunch of different directions, but wherever you want to go with that. No, I think Mark can be super important, both offensively and defensively. 
defensively, one of the things that I just wanted to say about Mark is that he's just so good with angles and he's so smart. And when you understand angles and you're smart, then you can do some things defensively. And that's to say nothing of like how good his hands are and just what his instincts are and, and everything else. Um, I do think Trez can be like a punishing player on the interior, but I wonder how much that's going to matter if Draymond Green plays 40 or 42 minutes. And if this is a close game, his minute load is likely to be up there. Steph played 40 minutes against Memphis in what was basically a must-win game for them. They didn't want to fall into the plan and be a potentially one game and you're out situation or have to win twice in order to make the postseason at all. If both those guys are going to be 40-minute-plus type type of guys and Wiggins is likely to be up there too, then maybe the usefulness of Trez in, in those matchups isn't quite the same, right? And, and maybe you're fine, Mike. I like your idea of playing AD at the five more. Put put Braun at the four. And, and then, look, play Caruso, Dennis, and KCP. Yep. That's been one of the Lakers' best lineups all yeah. s- all that season. That lineup probably does really well against Golden State. Those guys are going West, to and West, yeah, yeah, and West. Mm-hmm. Like, look, those are the guys who are going to understand the rotations. They're athletic enough to be able to chase. They're athletic enough to be able to to chase and then recover and then close out again and then chase again and then are going to compete on the backboards. There's a baseline level of fundamentals, smarts, and athleticism that the Lakers are going to need to have on the floor at all times. One of the things that I'm looking for is, okay, can you make it so that you are basically making Draymond split the difference between AD and LeBron? And and then when it comes to Steph, you're throwing body after body at him because that is basically the formula and Wiggins is going to have to show that he's ready to play in a game at this level against LeBron James. I'm thinking back to, but I guess really the, the Martin Luther King um, junior game. And like just the, there was a point in that fourth quarter where the Lakers just weren't expecting Draymond to score. And he actually did it a couple of times. And so I think that's the thing that they have to be a little bit aware of. Like Draymond is going to go, could go up a level and, but they just oh he did that in the Memphis game yeah. he scored like eight points in the first quarter and a half or right so. so like so he's got that there and I think that this is where having these two days and like tomorrow's an off day but a lot of the guys are going to go in they're going to work like LeBron's going to go in he's going to get work he, like they're already going to be watching film and then the whole team film is going to have a, a detailed film breakdown on Tuesday and then they'll do it again Wednesday morning and so like they'll know they'll know what what is going to happen going into this game. So that to me is where the Lakers really kind of flexed their mental muscles last season. They always had a good plan. They had a good plan against Portland. It worked. They had a good plan against Houston. It worked. They had a good plan against Denver. But they lost game, but they lost game one against both of those first two teams, right? They're going to have to be able to have that. They're going to have to execute the best plan right away against them. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, they do. So LeBron touched on this a little bit, Pete, in that they did. They like to use in a seven game series. They use game one as a feel out game. But like, mm-hmm. th- but that's my point. So they're they know that they just have this one game. So the so the good plan is sure, going to come sure. for game one. And and I think that like they had the plan. But then like that's partly that's a little bit to me more of a LeBron thing than anything where like, all right, let's kind of let's let's see what this team's going to throw at us. And uh, the plan for Portland was the same for game one. They just couldn't hit a shot like the defensive game plan worked from game one. The, the Houston game one was sort of a weird game, but uh, I, 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 we digress. This this Golden State game, I think still, though, it, it, it to go back to where you started it, Pete, it comes down to force and size and uh, and sort of athleticism without a lack of smarts and i just like i don't think golden state has the horses that's that's ultimately what it comes down to unless there's if there's some if they had some advantage rest advantage or a health advantage or like they may have a rhythm advantage but i don't think that's enough yeah that's the one they've got a rhythm advantage but i don't think that's enough to overcome all of the other advantages that the lakers have 
I ultimately think you're right about that. And that's why turnovers are going to be the biggest thing for me is that how often we turn the ball over and in a broader sense, commit unforced errors, which we are prone to do at times, even when we're at our best. We are going to have to make mistakes for Golden State to beat us. And if we play uh, meat and potatoes, play good defense, pay attention to stuff, do your job, fill your role, the discrepancy in size and athleticism and just talent overall on the roster should take over. So, so long as we don't shoot ourselves in the foot, I think we're in good shape. Anyway, this has been a lot of fun previewing this. Very curious to see how it plays out in this one game. And then again, if both teams lose, they still have another, but uh, very curious to see how this plays out. So anyway, until then, everybody enjoy the game. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. They win. Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Miss it. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Alvin Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good. Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers. James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So... At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable. It's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.